Okay, I'll go. Yeah, Posture. And feeling like you're setting aside any worries or cares from the day. Anything that's coming up. You're just paying attention to what's happening in your body right now. just the scanning down the body. It's helpful to relax and arrive. We start at the crown of the head. And let the scanning release any tension you find. relax and open up your attention and come back to wherever you are in your scanning. 
from this relaxed, calm physical space. Gently bring your focus to your breath. In a way where your mind can be clear and bright, that you're not creating more tension in the body, Each time your mind jumps off somewhere, loosening up your focus, letting go of grasping. Start to feel dull or heavy, renewing your interest in watching the breath.
for the last few moments of meditation. Get as clear and bright of a focus as you can. Once you have that, then relaxing your focus, coming back into feeling the weight of your body firmly rooted and grounded. And opening up your awareness all around you. Taking in the whole room. And starting to dedication when you're ready. teaching your yoga class at work? Um, yeah, that is down for a couple weeks. Yeah. But starting next week, we're starting again. Cool. Yeah. Alright, so the review is actually the same because we're still on the Bodhisattva's <laughs> way of life. <laughs> Jangchube, Sempa, Sempa, Chupa la Jupa, Chupa la Jupa, Jangchube, Sempa, Chupa la Jupa. Yep. Okay, feels familiar. <laughs> and do you remember who the author is? Sanskrit starts with like the main thing we're studying. That's like the first word. Bodhisattva Charya Avatara. Charya Avatara. Yep. Um, and then the commentary is. Oh no, not the commentary. The um. The short name for the guide in Tibetan is Chunjuk. 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 Yep. So how this one works? Oh, 
Okay, so it's the Bodhisattva's Way of Life, Patience, Joy, and Meditation, Week 2, Wednesday, May 1st, 2019. So how it works, we're going to talk about where does anger come and who created your world. Where does anger come? Where does it come from? And who created our world, okay? Mm -hmm. Is that the topic for tonight's bath? Mm-hmm. I know, it's really, it's really cool. So how it works is we go through and then I'll read um, a contemplation, which is like the little part of the text that we're talking about. Okay. Um, so we'll read directly from there a little bit. And then we can sit for a minute and just contemplate and then we'll start talking again. And the text is really cool. I love it. Have you read it? Back to the Bodhisattva's oh, Way of yes. Life. It's like in poem. Yeah. It's really pretty. I have read it. It's been a while. I think I reread it when I been a while for me too. started, maybe. Yeah, I wonder we must have it here. I don't know if I have my copy anymore. I might have given it to somebody. Oh, cool. Nice. Um, okay, so last week, you probably will kind of remember these things. I think we've talked about them before. So last week we talked about the problems you can see and the problems you can't see with getting angry. Okay. And the one that we can't see is that it destroys huge amounts of good karma. Yeah, one instance of anger at a bodhisattva destroys millions of years of good karma. And we don't know who is a bodhisattva around us, because it's not good bodhisattva etiquette to announce. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't get angry at all, then all the good karma that you have, you get to save. And reality starts to change. Um, people are nicer around you. I noticed this just the longer I practice too. Because I remember when I first started practicing, I didn't used to have them as many nice people around me. And slowly it's, it's changed, which is really nice. So things like that change. Food starts to taste better. Your friends are better. Um, money comes easily, you know, like any of the worldly things that we want, those start to come. Medicine works really well when we want it to, our meditation goes really well, just all of these things. When we don't get angry and we get to keep all the good karma, those things happen. And then Master Shantideva got into the causes of anger and that being upset is the food that anger feeds on and then anger gets stronger and stronger and it'll smash you. So he's, he's into war metaphors, which I really like because it makes you feel like a warrior, like you can like, kick some ass. Um, so if being upset is the food that anger feeds on, then if it doesn't get its food, it's gonna die. So if we watch and be really careful not to even get upset or when we see ourselves starting to you know, like step away or do whatever we can, then we'll never get to the anger point and we'll never plant those crappy seeds. And then we talked about this great quote 
basically, if you can do something about something that you don't like, then just do it. Why get upset? If you can't do anything about it, what's the use of getting upset? Basically, there's no need, there's no reason to ever get upset. Getting upset doesn't change what's happening. It doesn't reverse the negativity. It usually makes things worse and we feel worse and then the problem feels bigger. So it's just, it's just a waste of time. And this, this one's really interesting. Um, Gensha Michael mentioned this. He said, if you're mad at someone, just don't talk to them for two days and then see how you feel. So, you know, like, hopefully, if that's possible. And I've done this recently because there's, there's um, this texting chain that I'm part of that's had, like, some challenging times come up recently. And, you know, like, everybody's weighing in kind of quickly. And I could see that tendency, and I just didn't do anything. I didn't say anything. And by the end of the day, I was like, I just didn't feel like I needed to say anything. It was just like done. It was so nice. I mean, it's not, we can't do that all the time, but we can sometimes. And I think, I think that's like a hugely helpful thing to learn to just wait or just pause because it can make such a huge difference. And then we're not all like riled up or with replying right away with something like that's maybe a little snippy or something. Okay, basically, if we don't get upset, then we won't ever get angry. So if we stop it at the upset, no anger will come. We won't destroy our good karma and have our world get worse. It'll just get better and better. That, that's kind of a summary of last week. And then tonight, Master Shantideva goes into very sophisticated arguments about why you shouldn't get angry. And Gesh and Michael said that he almost skipped this part because it felt very technical. Mm -hmm. um, but then he thought it was it was too important, so he included it. Um, okay, so you can close your eyes if you want. I'm going to read the first contemplation. And um, this is all in the reading. So in class two. You fail to feel anger for bile and such, these major sources of pain. When then are you angry at those with minds? Or, sorry, why then are you angry at those with minds? They're all impelled by influences. Illness, for example, is something which occurs despite the fact we never wished it to. Just so the arrival of mental affliction is something we never wanted. Anger wells up in people despite themselves. No one says, I think I'll get angry now. Anger comes then all the same. And it starts without anyone saying, I think I'll start it now. So this one, now we're going to um, 
talk about this one. So we didn't, we haven't really talked about this one. And it's kind of tricky because he's talking, Master Shanti Deva is talking about bile and um, basically sickness. So what he's talking about there, you have to go to Tibetan medicine to kind of understand that part. And there's a three basic elements, one of which is bile. And when they're in balance, we're healthy. When they're out of balance, we're sick. For example, too much wind, um, and we'll get nervous, like if we get loom from meditating or, or something like that. Too much phlegm, we might get pneumonia. And we've, ta we've talked about this before too, but a balance of these three is actually a mistake in the body. It's not normal. The normal in the body is sickness or to be out of balance. So really to be healthy is almost an accident. Okay, and then from that, Master Shantideva is saying, according to the way we think, we should get mad at our liver, our lungs, or our large intestines because they make us sick. It's something that's going to make you suffer your whole life. All these, you know, all of these elements in the body, they're going to always be out of balance. Something is always going to be happening with them. So we should just be mad at our body. But we think, but that, but that doesn't make sense. The body doesn't do it intentionally. People aren't like my body. They're hurting me intentionally. So that's where he's going with this. Master Shanti Deva says, it's illogical, nobody plans to get mad. When people hurt you due to their own anger, their anger is arising unintentionally, so why get angry at them? Their mental afflictions are actually controlling them. Anger is usually like a big wave that comes and overwhelms you and you can't do anything about it totally out of control, and being upset is now in control. We don't really have a choice in the, mo in the moment, and we couldn't stop it even if we wanted to in that moment. Then, if we, we're going to get angry at another person for yelling at us, then we should get mad at our body because it's the same thing. They're not in control. They're not deciding to get angry, just like our organs aren't deciding to go out of balance. So who then is in control? So it's like, for the example would be, um, when I get sick, to be pissed off at my body. Or um, if I have allergies, to be pissed off at like my watering eyes, or you know, like something, that element that moisture element, to be really angry at that. And he's saying that that's the same as being angry at the person when they're actually being controlled by, by their mental affliction. So it's not them, it's the mental affliction. So it's just totally misplaced anger. So who then is in control? We're not gonna go over all the verses because they're really technical. Um, but Geshe says if you don't listen to anything else in this whole course 
This next 20 minutes is the most important thing in the whole course. I know. <laughs> so the key to getting rid of anger, I really love these classes. They're so helpful on, on anger. So helpful because it comes up all the time. The key to getting rid of anger is that we have to determine who created the things that are making us angry. Where is it all coming from? Where did sickness come from? Where did the traffic jam come from? Where did my annoying coworker or annoying partner, annoying family member, the long line at the supermarket, um, not getting promotion when I want it, where did all these things that bother me come from? Who made them? And this, this is not asked in America at really much at all. Like, where did these things come from? And there's this example I've heard, I've heard given a bunch of times. And it's, it's that two people are driving um, and they hit another car and one person walks out of the accident totally fine and the other person dies. And this kid sees what happens and asks his mom, Mom, why did that guy die and the other guy didn't? She said, well, he was on the right side of the car and he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. But why? Why was he on the right side of the car? Because he was the passenger. He wasn't driving. But why? Why wasn't he driving? Because his friend drove that time. But why? Why did his friend drive that time? And then it goes on and on and on and on. And the kid keeps asking why until there's just no answer for it. And the mom's like, I don't know. Stop asking. And then the kid stops asking. And that's, you know, that's all of us. We stop asking why. Why did that happen? Basically, where does this world come from? Why do things happen to certain people and not to other people? This is really the main question of our whole lives because, exactly. yeah, because <laughs> we see things happening for other people that we want um, or, that, or that we don't want, you know, and we don't, so we're either scared that it's going to happen to us because we know we don't have any control over that part for the most part, or we really want something to happen, but we can't figure out how to get it. It's just like this constant struggle. It really is. Even just tiny little things, you know? <laughs> so we're going to talk about where did this world come from? And maybe when we were a kid, we thought it was the Big Bang. Even though the scientific community changes its mind on this a lot. Um, I think science is really like the religion of our culture, so it's kind of like we follow whatever it says in a way, or we don't, we don't question it in the same way. It's, it's interesting, like, I don't know. So basically, where did our annoying boss come from, or our annoying coworker, or friend, or whoever it is? And what happens is Master Shanti Deva has a public debate and he invites whoever wants to come and answer this question. And this would be like Catholics and the Baptists show up and they're going to answer this question. Something like that. What caused the world? So historically, 
the people that showed up were the Samkhyas. They show up, and this is what they believe. So this is um, number one. Number one, they believe Soul. So I say Soul. 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 The primal one. Soul makes things happen. He makes things. He continually creates the world, but nobody made him. This would be kind of like the God in Western religions. Okay. He's beginningless, uncreated, unchanging, and permanent. He makes everything, but nobody made him. So it's like your, your angry boss or your coworker or your partner or whoever is an expression of Soho. Behind the angry boss is Soho working very close to the Western school of God. So just think about it. I think we hear like unchanging all the time and that and we hear teachers saying unchanging you wouldn't be able to move like you'd be stuck. And I don't think it totally lands with us. I know it doesn't with me. It's like our mind doesn't want to look at it or something. It just kind of like skips over it. And goes like, I don't know. You know, like, I don't know, maybe that's true. So if we try, try to think about it with your own mind, what would it be like if your mind was unchanging? So that would mean that there wouldn't be any, like, consciousness, stream of consciousness. There wouldn't be like one thought and then the next and then the next. If it was unchanging, it would be frozen. Like if I was unchanging, I couldn't be doing any of this. I couldn't be talking. I couldn't be moving. Because unchanging would be like totally fixed. Yeah. So that's the one. We'll talk about that more too. And then... Then Nyayakas, or logicians, came, and they said number two, which is duck. Say duck. 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 It's a self-existent being, or Atman in Sanskrit. Duck experiences the world with his far-reaching tentacles. He's the oneness, the self, and is also eternal, uncreated, and unchanging impossible things to be. We'll talk about why more too. So he's reaching tentacles? Yeah. So he's like um, he's like the supreme thing that experiences all things. Kind of like the wizard in the Wizard of Oz. Okay. So he's responsible for everything you don't like in your life. Um, I think it's kind of like the, um, I think that's kind of like a new agey idea too, that there's like, 
kind of like we're all one or something. I think that's what this is like. And there's like some supreme energy or something that's orchestrating everything. I think that'd be similar to this one. Okay, so these are the two big ideas that Master Shantideva wants to discuss. And we're going to look at what these groups think and then what we're going to do about it. Yeah, so there's the wizard. Or, um, oh, who was it? I think it would be for this idea, for the duck idea. It's like we think there's some like mini me. Um, Lama Maru uses this idea, like, and he always says like on Alpha Centauri, who's orchestrating everything, and like calling the shots and making things happen, and something something along those lines. So Doc is say Sherik E Kebu. Sherik E. Kebu. Sherik E. Kebu. Okay, so mental being, the original mental being, or the primal mind, which is a synonym for Doc or Atman. Gotcha. So in the early days of Buddhism in the West, when they used Doc or Atman, people thought that that was the point of, Buddha, of Buddhism, not to grasp to the self. So we're going to get into why and how these two explanations for who created our world cannot be correct. And most likely, in our minds, we're one of three types of people. We subconsciously think the world came from a god, or from a big bang, or we just don't really care and we don't think about it very much. So if we look, we're probably one of, one of those three. And the reason we're talking about this is because we'll never overcome our anger until we understand who made the things that make us angry. And until we overcome um, some poisonous ideas that we have in our mind, mostly just from our, from our culture. So the first question Master Shantideva asks is, who made these gods? And it's so basic and such an obvious question. Um, and I don't think I've, I've ever thought to ask it, like who made, who made the gods? Um, and in religion, it's disrespectful a lot of times or combative to ask this question, kind of just told to um, buy it or, you know, that's just the way it is, something like that. And the point of this isn't to be disrespectful to Judaism or Christianity because they're both really amazing and have huge benefits for millions of people over thousands of years. The benefits far outweigh the problems they've had. But the question is for us, if we really want to reach nirvana or Buddhahood, can we accept these two beings? Can we accept that these are why things are happening in our world? And Master Shandideva says no, and we have to understand why. 
basically because if we have a wrong view that's so serious that'll prevent us that it'll prevent us from reaching enlightenment then we better know that we have it we better know what it is okay the idea of Soho is that he made everything but never began never began and he's always been there Doc or Atman existed forever. He experiences the entire universe and he's also creating the things in the world. And Master Shanti Deva says, yes, but who made these two? Mm -hmm. Who made these two? Things have to have a cause. And usually, you know, in this debate, they say we don't know. And he says, well, they couldn't make themselves because if they're not there to say, hmm, I'm going to make myself, if they made everything, then they couldn't have made themselves. It just, it's like, um, it's just totally ridiculous, actually. If they made everything and they're, they've been there forever, where, like, where did they come from? How could they make themselves if they weren't there yet? Very, it's a very confusing question. So somebody had to make them or they've been there forever without a cause. Who would have made Soho? So Soho, because he makes everyone. So Soho, before he existed, thought, I think I'll make Soho today, which is totally impossible. If Soho had a cause, something had to make him, but he's the only thing that makes things, so he had to make himself, which totally doesn't make sense. So what are the other possibilities? What, and in order to debate things, we have to clarify the terms. So what does eternal mean? Roughly, it means no beginning and no end. Permanent and impermanent. Permanent means it always will be. It won't end or break or stop. Things can have a beginning and be permanent, but doesn't mean it's eternal. Impermanent means that the thing is sometimes big, small, hot, cold, fluctuating, always changing. Basically almost never the same. Moshi and Musum are two terms in Buddhist logic. And basically they're asking, does any object include these two qualities? Is there anything that's changing but eternal? And according to Buddhism, the only thing that is changing but eternal is the mind. It has no beginning and no end. And even after we become a Buddha, we still have a mind. Even a Buddha's mind is fluctuating because it perceives things. The mind is like a moving mirror. Each object it perceives causes it to change. So it's constantly in flux as it focuses on different objects. And we can, we can see that and feel that, so we know that. 
And then, is there anything that's eternal but not changing? And just about the only example is empty space. So what does that mean? Okay, so I put this cup here. And the space that was there is now filled with the cup. Now if I take the cup away, is the space still there? It is. The space is still there. So it's the absence of any concrete object. If this world were completely destroyed, would that space still be there? It would. But wouldn't like the composition of the space somehow be different? Well, I guess but if it was all the way empty. Could be filled with something different. I know, it, it is, it's kind of trippy to think of. So the empty space is eternal, but not changing. Then, is there anything that's permanent, but changing? And like we said, the mind, it's permanent. It's going to be around. So it's not going anywhere. Impermanent and changing is just about everything in our lives. Jobs, relationship, our body, our health. Yeah. Like we thought we met the perfect person and then in a month or two <laughs> we don't even talk to them and we don't even remember their names. Like my mom actually mentioned someone that I just dated and I was like, who? I really did not remember when she said and it wasn't that long ago. Um, so Soho and Doc can't exist because they must either be caused, created by something earlier, or be eternal and unchanging. So if they were created by something earlier, then they're not the original creator or cause of the world. And if, they're and if they're unchanging, then they can't possibly make anything. Because doing so would require some movement, at least of mind. So basically, it's impossible for something to be both unchanging and affecting other things. Like some ideas of God. So say takpe nupo. Takpe nupo. Takpe nupo. Takpe nupo. If an okay, if any God made everything, if that's the definition of God, he would have had to make himself as well, which is totally an unbelievable, illogical. If God is changing, is unchanging, then he can't affect things or do anything. 
A being that is uncreated can't change. Something doesn't get more or less absent. It's either just totally absent or totally present. Either there's a pink elephant in this room or there's not. It's absent. It doesn't get more or less absent. It's just absent. It's not created, growing from a seed, getting bigger and bigger, aging and dying. It's either completely absent or present, and it's this is true of emptiness too. So emptiness is either completely there, completely not. So we can think, does this have its own emptiness? This little, I don't know what you call it. Yep, it does. Every object has its own lack of self-existence. Is the lack of self-existence of this object eternal? Say that again. Is the emptiness of this object eternal? Is it going to be there forever? No. Right. Why not? Because in and of itself, it won't be here forever. Right. Right. So we can destroy this, um, and then its emptiness will be gone too, because it's dependent on this. That's not the subject that we're talking about, but um, this object is purely empty in the first moment of, of its existence and in the final moment. But we don't say it goes through a process where it's more or less empty. It doesn't matter if, even if the object's almost disintegrated, it's still empty. Mm -hmm. It's not, oh, it's less empty because it's smaller or something. It's not how it works. The point is that things change because their causes fluctuate. All things that change must have causes. And it's kind of hard because we're really not just knocking Judeo-Christian beliefs. Um, because they are really, I mean, it's helped millions of people, it really has. But as far as how things are truly exist and if it makes sense and if it's going to get us to enlightenment, which is where we want to go to, um, Master Shanti Deva says, no, it's not, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work in that way. And it isn't, and it, the problem is that we have these beliefs deep in our, our being from growing up in, in the world that we grew up in. So the point is to find where all of the negativities in our life came from, the cause of them. And we're pointing out that the cause was, was not a god. It wasn't a creator being. It's not this idea of um, like a 
you know, the Wizard of Oz back there orchestrating everything. It's not that idea. The last possibility, so say we're trying to, we're talking about God still. Could God have come from nothing? And that last possibility, it doesn't even make sense. Nobody would really even entertain that. How could it come from nothing? How would that work if it just came from nothing? It just, it just doesn't make sense. If that God is changing, then it must have had a cause. Because if he did anything, he'd be changing and moving, and therefore he had a cause. But there's no such thing as a thing that affects anything that's not affected itself. It's illogical and it's impossible and mostly this logic, I think, tends to go right over our heads, and we think it sounds like juvenile or not important or something. I think that's how these things usually sound. And it's difficult because our whole culture is fighting us on this, saying that the cause of our unhappiness is um, the angry guy who's yelling at us, or the angry girl who's yelling at us, or um, the person who fired us. They're the cause. That's what our whole culture says. And we've based our whole life on the fact, really, that everything has causes. We don't usually recognize the right cause, um, except for the original cause of the entire world. That cause, if you think it's God, was not caused. So everything has causes except for the creator. And probably our minds resist this because we've been brainwashed. It's really as simple as that. We've been brainwashed into this idea. And Geshelin Michael says in the monastery, you're in a debate. And there's a point where you just walk away because what we're talking about, the way this God could exist, is so illogical. He said if you're debating someone who said these things on the debate ground, you'd just walk away because you'd say, I can't debate with a crazy person. Like if you're going to be illogical and just make up things all day, uh, you can just make up whatever you want, really. So basically, Master Shantideva has finished off God at this point. So we can't blame the unpleasant things in our life on this being that doesn't exist. The thing that we've described over the course of the class today, and our Western culture believe this, and it's just completely impossible. And it's good to start getting used to the idea and completely clean it from your heart. And it doesn't, um, doesn't mean that we necessarily need to share it with anybody who believes it because 
it might it's probably really helpful for them you know like religion is very important to people so I've heard people who learn these things and then share it with like well Geshe Michael tells this story he shared it with a really good um, friend of his I think who was Christian and um, totally screwed him up like he was so heartbroken after and like he was very into his religion and it was helpful for him he was a good person you know it, it was really a good thing for him and Geshe Michael said he kind of like destroyed it um, so that's not the point but it's for our own knowledge and our own practice so that we're not waiting around for someone to save us or um, <laughs> or to make things happen for us you know to just cut out that idea from our from our lives when we see it come up we probably don't even notice it because we've grown up with it. Okay, I think we'll take a break here. Okay. Where'd you go? Did you go on a vacation? Um, I went 